An Eye for an Eye podcast contains subject matters that many may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. There is a hole in my heart that will never be filled until I meet them in heaven. Unfathomable pain that has lasted since December 1st, 1987. It's shocking, body rocking, stomach curling. Good evening, ladies and germs. Welcome back to your favorite Eye for an Eye podcast. I'm here with my lovely co-host. Me. My name is Lisa. Her name is Lisa. <laughs> if you didn't already know me. I was waiting for her to say it. I thought you guys should already know. <laughs> but we just want to give you a quick shout out. Thank you so much for tuning in with us tonight. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you're not already a Patreon supporter, what the hell are you doing? Honestly, what are you doing? No, I'm also, love the sport. Yeah. I'm we, kidding, but what are you doing? We're, we're working hard for the money. So hard for it, honey. Um, so if you could help us out, we'd appreciate it. But we also love you guys who are all sharing, who are having conversations with us, who are posting on the Facebook group. We've had some awesome conversations. And had our some Instagram. Great, and our Instagram. Had some great shares, some people picking out some merch. Genesee, what's up? Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> best out. of the best. I'm so happy you mentioned that. Yes, super fly in the new hoodie. I'm yes. getting myself one now that the weather's <laughs> yes. changing as well. Don't worry. Everybody else out there, please check out our merch page, Patreon page. Check out Murderly Network as a whole. We love you guys. Everybody out there doing work. So, Lisa, uh, last thing I want to mention before we get started. Should we... Should we tell them about the website or? I think we should. Not. Should we I tell them we about should. the website? All right. I think we got it. All right, tell them a little bit about the website really quick. All tell them, right. bit, tell them something about the website. So man. Matt and I are super excited to Woo! announce that we have our own website. So you no longer have to go through all, you know, iTunes or wherever you are to listen to our show. You can go one place. All of our social media is there. All of the cases we've covered there, the sources, our merch shop, how to donate, our Patreon page. Literally everything you could ever want. One stop shop, baby. Uh, what we're listening to, I, I keep up with a little bit of a blog. It's ifrypod.com, everybody. So that's E Y E F O R E Y E P O D.com. That's our website. It's completely ours. It's so exciting. Love it. It looks so good so far. The bio was made by Matt because I don't have a creative bone in my body to think up a bio. But Chuck Lisa did like. the entire website, so <laughs> yeah. because I don't have a technical bone in mine, so. So, yes, it worked really hard, and I think it turned out really cool. We're going to continue updating it probably, you know, for the length of this, however long this podcast's lifespan goes. Um, so keep a look at on that. That will be where all the updates of our show will be. I mean, of course, our social media is also where we blow that stuff up. Um, but that also has links to our social media. So you can really follow every aspect of Eye for an Eye on eyeforeyepod.com. Like we said, one-stop shop. This is the place to go if you need anything, merch, information. Patreon website support. patreon support listening even if you guys want to have a you know a little chat sesh going there yeah. we'll have like a live blog post yeah. on there which like people will be able to have communication directly with other listeners that's probably i think yeah. the coolest thing of function that i love you know it's you gonna be so great and it's gonna be live by the time you guys hear this whoop, whoop. so we are so excited that that is up and running on toward getting money all right so today our case that we're covering is a little bit different Bit Actually, of a bone chiller, this one. A bit of a bone chiller. So I've heard this case covered a few different places, and I had to, you know, get my pies, pies, pies. pies on it as well. I like my pies. But this one we're going to do a bit differently. I haven't shown Matt the case because nope. I'm kind of curious what his, like, 
Yeah, um, she's oblivious, be. and this is when it gets fun. Yeah. So, this case has a lot of twists and turns, and also goes over one of my biggest fears, which I've alluded to on the show before. So, a lot of this information has come from investigation. You guys don't know mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put true. it that way. <laughs> so, a lot of this information has come from Investigation Discoveries. Your Worst Nightmare TV show, and this is season two, episode one, and it's called Bump in the Night. So just so you know, I was watching it today and yesterday, getting all my research, and I used some articles from online. Just a forewarning, the beginning of this case, which is the creepiest part, the the way things happened are kind of up for debate. Um, a lot of different news outlets and different stories have covered it a little bit differently, which makes sense based on the way it is. But generally, the story is the same. Still creepy as shit. And I'm going to go with Investigation Discovery's version of events just because I feel like they have their own writers. And I was actually listening to My Favorite Murder. Shout out to them. They're amazing. Uh, Karen and Georgia covered this case as well. And they used Investigation Discovery's research as well. And I want to mimic them in saying that I trust that they have people that were really looking into the background. So I think this is probably the most accurate slew of events, but I'm not 100% sure. So just keep that in mind. I'll go over both versions, but the version that I'm going to tell is coming straight from Investigation Discovery's Bump in the Night episode, which again is season two, episode one. So Matt, let's get into it. Let's listen up, Lisa. I'm ready to hear this. You ready? This I'm is ready. literally fucking insane, Matt. It's like, and it's not even like the like the goriness it's just like just so okay so let's get into it all right i'm enthralled yeah so matt sisters and sisters sisters and sisters annie and jessica andrews were like any other teens they you know hung out they were they were really close they were kind of like you and john ryan very close uh siblings annie being the older sister did have to look after her sister after their mother passed away from cancer mm-hmm. Uh, so they were, Annie was 15, and I'm not 100% sure how old Jessica was, but Annie was the older sibling, so at 15 is when their mom passed away. Okay. Of course, they were devastated, as anyone would be at any age, when, you know, you have a parent pass Lose away, parent, unfortunately. Right. And they, and they, the girls did take it very hard, and I think Annie was a big support system for, support system for her sister, and her sister was a big support system for her. Mm. Now, their widowed father, and his name is up for debate for whatever reason, it's been reported as Frank, and it's also been reported as Brian. I'm going to call him Brian today, so that's what his name is going to be for the show. It's either Frank or Brian. <laughs> yeah, which are two very different names. Okay, But I swear, go. the Investigation Discovery so Channel... So you can either call Frank. me Matt or LeBron. <laughs> I'm going to call you LeBron from now on. I'd prefer that, actually. Yeah, right. If everybody would now refer to me as LeBron, yeah. just so we can get that thing started where everybody gets <laughs> yeah. confused between me and him. There's kind of a resemblance already. <laughs> So if we could just get the name thing going, I think we could have a thing. you think he looks like a vampire as well? What were you compared to? A vampire. vampire. With a toothpick in your mouth? I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) If that's what LeBron is. You guys have all seen that meme of, you know, I don't give a damn. (laughs) Steph, Dref, whoever. Cavs and eight. (laughs) I guess. Everybody's seen that meme. But I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lisa. Matt and LeBron and Frank and Brian. uh, He was a bus driver who worked hard and long hours to support his family. And, of course, he's now a single parent working hard to make sure his daughters are taken care of to the best of their abilities and, you know, trying to support them as they're mourning the loss of their mother. Okay. So, unfortunately, that did leave the daughters home alone quite often because he was a bus driver, so he was out long days, long nights. So, they were left to their own devices. 
Now, in 1986, the sisters began to receive phone calls to their home from a local boy who called himself Danny LaPlante. Danny LaPlante. Yes. Interesting choice. And this is in 1986, so this was before cell phones, so you're, you can imagine, you know, the spiral cord phone on the walls. He's calling their house over and over and over again. Now, he introduced himself saying he was a teen from another high school who was around the area and that he had seen the girls and asked his friend who said he knew them for their number. So very broad, whatever, you know, that, that kind of thing just... Called him up. You, do you remember back in the day when we had to call people? Oh, yeah, I remember having to go. On their house phones yeah. and, like, ask their parents for permission to yeah, talk to them. Yeah, I used to have to ask Dave's mom to talk to him all <laughs> yeah. the time. And she'd be like, he's doing his homework, Matt. <laughs> it was like, when I was, like, listening to this case on invest- and watching it on Investigation Discovery, I was just thinking back to, like, when I literally had to, like, dial up a house and talk to the mom and then talk... You know, ask for permission to talk to them. If they were in trouble, they weren't allowed to talk on the phone. Yep, yep, yep. So I just... He's grounded right now. Thinking back to that. So I'm just imagining Annie's in the kitchen, like, on a twirly, like, cord phone, just talking to this boy. So he said he was a teen from another school, like I said, and he told the eldest, who was Annie, that he was the captain of a football team, that he was very successful in school, and he was tall with light hair and light eyes. So he kind of, like, talked himself up as this dreamy, dreamboat character, you know, kind of like... Um, High school dreamboat guy. Dreamboat, yeah, just your stereotypical jock who's hot, you know, gets all the ladies. And they began talking every single day on the phone. And Annie grew to really fancy the the mysterious teen who had been calling her on a daily basis. So it seemed to keep her distracted from her mom's passing, and it helped keep her in good spirits after everything that has gone on with their family. And her dad worked long hours, so it, it helped kind of keep her distracted. She wasn't, you know, sitting in her thoughts with her sister. She mm-hmm. was talking to this boy, and they thought it was so fun. And, of course, she's imagining this Brad Pitt-looking guy who's calling her. So after several weeks of these phone calls back and forth... Do you like catfish, Lisa? <laughs> Good thing you mentioned that, Matt. Good thing you mentioned that. I just had a, a thought, but go ahead. <laughs> so after several weeks of phone calls, Danny eventually asked Annie out on a date to get ice cream. Again, your typical, like, run-of-the-mill date when you're that age and that, you know, that time frame. I wish people would do that more now, but I guess people still go out for ice cream as a first date. Oh, hell, I take girls out to dinner and then ice cream. Yeah, you do all, the whole thing. I do the whole thing. um, she agreed and seemed super excited to meet the boy she had been flirting with over the phone for weeks and weeks and weeks, and she was ready to meet him finally. They went out for catfish. (laughs) Yeah. So finally, Matt, the day did come. The doorbell rang, Annie was getting ready, ran down to the door, and to her dismay, standing in front of her was not a tall blonde. He was not a football captain, he was not this tall, muscular man, or a young guy, I guess, but instead he was a short, lanky boy with dark hair and dark eyes and had an acne-covered face. Imagine her sadness. This is what we call a catfish. Catfish, ladies and gentlemen. This is a catfish back before social catfish. media. Yeah, yeah, before catfish was a, a coined term here. Mm-hmm. Of course, Annie was upset, and she tried not to let it show she was a respectful girl. She was raised right. She she tried to not 
be too negative about the fact that the boy standing in front of her was the exact opposite of the boy who was described to her. See, here's my thing. I have a lot of respect for her for that, but I would not have reacted the same way. What would you have said, though? No, if you do that to me, I don't (laughs) like surprises. No, I don't fuck with surprises. I tell people all the time, I don't want a surprise birthday party. If you want to throw me a party, just tell me. I'll show up. Speaking of which, his birthday is tomorrow from when we're recording this. Happy birthday to Matt. Thank you. Or LeBron. LeBron, please. (laughs) LeBron, to those who don't know. But, but like really, how would you react? Would I'd you be, be like, pissed. get the fuck out of here? Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You would yeah. say that to yes. a girl who's like just gone yes. out of courage. Well, first of all, no, and let me just say this. I guess it's different with a guy and a girl though. Also, let me just say this. I am not an internet communicator. I will never <laughs> yeah. just DM someone I've never met and I've talk to them via yet. the internet. Never. So if you're one of those people, get prepared because that shit will happen to you. I've never in my life done that. I don't just DM girls. I don't just DM or Twitter message or do any of that shit to anybody because, and I'll tell you another thing, guys. If you want a piece of advice, never, never, ever, ever get a phone number from someone else that's not (laughs) the female herself. If you do that, you are a fucking loser and you deserve to have the police called on you even if she doesn't go that far. But my point is, I would never put myself in that situation. Now, here's the thing. If someone tried to set me up, which is the only way this could ever happen to me, mm-hmm. that I would ever allow that to happen, Yeah. I would be pissed. I would. But I don't so like surprises. Would you be mean about it? Or would you yeah, you I would. I would, you I would. I would be mean about it. Right. I'm going I'm to embarrass you. You should never do this to somebody. You yeah. should never do it again, and you will never do it to me again. That's damn sure. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and have lunch with I you and act was- like, oh, well, what... Yeah. What do you do for a lip? Nah, bitch, you told me you were a 5'8", <laughs> gorgeous model, and you walk up here and you're 5'2", and you, no, I should actually say I like short girls, so that'd be okay. <laughs> if you're 5'2", ladies, call me. But any, anyways, I'm not even going to go into descriptions, but I'm just saying, if you're not who you say you are, you could tell me you were 5'2", and ugly, but if you're cool and I like you, then we don't have a problem hanging yeah, out. Yeah, why you gotta lie? That's fine. Why you gotta lie? If you tell me that you're anything different from what you really are, I instantly don't like you. And then right there, no, I will tell you straight up. You know me. I wouldn't sit there and See, bullshit. I, react I wouldn't bullshit with somebody like that, though. Yeah, no, you lied. You're, you're deceptive, and I instantly, like, if I know that off the jump, no way. Yeah, yeah no way. I'm not going to sit I there and that. play coy with you. Now, people that do the opposite... It's the exact same thing. If you're a good-looking person who tries to front as this, that, the other, I don't like people who say, oh, my God, I'm so ugly. Oh, my God, I'm so bad. Oh, my God, I'm so this. I'm like... Listen, Bitch. shut we up. We all know that's not the case. And and Relax. even even if you got a little bit of flaws, just be cool with what you are. Well, like, why do you got to do like that? Yeah, why why couldn't this dude have called this girl up and just been like, hey, I'm honestly, short, like, I'm a short, weird, ugly motherfucker, but I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm funny as hell. Yeah. I'd have a good time with you. I'd love to take you for ice cream. If she says no, call the next girl, dude. Go or through the phone like book. then it's like, why do you have to describe yourself? I mean, in this day and age, like, they don't it's have social media. Exactly. It's a little bit different. Like, why but in did, today's like, did he really age. call her and be like, oh, I'm, I'm a blonde-haired um, athlete? Like, six four, really blonde, blue eyes, I uh, play football, <laughs> uh, get straight A's. Girls like me. Girls like me. I'm trying to decide between Princeton and Harvard, <laughs> but uh, it's like either a basketball or a rowing scholarship. I don't know. Yeah. Like, dude, like, just be honest, guys, yeah. honestly. Well, Annie, you- like I said, was... Trying to be respectful and not act like she was super sad that the guy that came to her door was nothing like... Respect for Annie. Yes. She she held it together in the beginning. In the beginning. So, 
she was upset, and she reminded herself of the good conversations that they had had over the phone. Now, Matt, let me ask you that part. What if you did really, I mean, I get the lies, like, I would be pretty pissed off about that part, but what if you genuinely did have, like, and think about it as, like, back then, not with social media now where you can really find out if someone's being a turd, but, like, think about it. If you talk to someone on the phone every single day back in the day when that was the only way you could communicate with people besides in person, um, and you had the best conversations of your life, they made you feel so good, even though they described themselves as this model-looking figure, if they showed up at your door, would you... I mean, you'd be pissed, of course, but would overall, you still not give them a chance? No. Overall, you're... <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Overall, you're still deceptive. Yeah, like, your still whole there. mission from the jump was, was to make me alive. think differently about you than yeah. you really are. And I don't like people like that. Yeah, I'll tell you outright. That's why I can't stand our resident chump. I can't <laughs> stand people like that. I don't want you to tell me how great you are and how awesome yeah. life is and how cool you yeah. are and then you not be like that. Like, yeah. Just tell me the fucking truth. Yeah, exactly. I'm not awesome. I'm not great. I'm not expecting anybody to call me and be like that or to be interested in me and be like that. Yeah, you want, okay? you want the person. If Blake Lively calls me tomorrow, I'll shit my pants before I could say anything coherent back to her. Like, that's the God's honest real, real talk. If yeah. Blake Lively... No, that's not true. I'd probably find something good to say. <laughs> it would take me a minute to muster up some courage, but I'd say, something lisa i'd shoot my freaking shot ryan reynolds if you're listening to this i'm coming for your ass bro um no but seriously it honestly to me if you're one of those people i don't respect that i don't yeah, like I people agree. that are outright and I, like, I watch that catfish show all the time on mtv and i'm like see wow. i've never even watched that show but i do like, know what it is you'd like, want to like throw you because it's like okay at this day and age if you're that stupid you deserve it i'm sorry you deserve it if well, you're that dumb that you haven't you haven't spoken on the phone even with some of these people? Yeah. And you've had a relationship for five years thinking that they are the person? Are you've, you on You've crack? never met the person? Are you on crack? At this day and age, every single phone has a camera on, even the flip phones. Everything. Even the flip phones. No. And like there's FaceTime. There's literally no excuse. Everyone has a cell phone. Everyone can get to a phone. Anything. There's pay phones, places still. You could borrow someone's cell phone. There's no reason. You can go to the library and Skype with someone for free. Some of these people literally haven't even spoken words like out loud to the people and believe they're the real person. I'm like, you deserve it. At this well, you're point. an idiot. That's yeah. what I'm, I'm sorry. You're also you deserve it. You're in, you're in, yeah, you're in a mystery world. And you're Kiki, are you real? <laughs> Remix. Uh, so, yes, so she was catfish, but she reminded herself that they did have good conversations on the phone, and she decided to continue on with the date to get ice cream. Now... This one shit got a little strange. During their date, Danny quickly found out, I don't really know how it came up, that Annie's mom had passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. But it was odd because Danny just, like, grasped onto that and was, like, super fascinated about it. But, like, in the most morbid of ways. He began grilling her about it. And he kept asking her more and more uncomfortable questions such as, how her mom suffered and how she felt about her mom's passing and how her mom was feeling or if she was in pain at the end, like literally grilling her about her mom's death. And she was like, wait a fucking I've second. Heard, I've heard sick fuckers yeah. like these. I have. Like, wait a fucking second. And so she figured out, you know, whoa, this went in a weird direction. This is He's one of those already guys. not the kid I thought he was going to be. It's one of those types. That He's latches on to pain yes. and likes to hear Ew, people and it's suffering. So, it's so creepy, and she was yeah. so distraught. It's called sadism, folks. Yeah, she thought it was super inappropriate. 
And she made up a reason to leave the date and went home. Brushed her brushed her hands out and said, you know what? I'm going to leave. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night. Smart. Of course he was upset. Smart. Good. Who cares, yeah. loser? Exactly. And at that point, you know, it's not like social media. Like, you can, like, stalk you. It's just like it's what's done is done. She wiped her hands clean of them. So Annie decided, of course, she never wanted to see or speak to Danny again. And she had no reason to believe she would be seeing or speaking to him again. She, I mean, he, she had his number. He could pick up and hang up. I don't really know how blocking numbers worked back in the day. I don't know if that was easy to do or something that you could even do. But it didn't, it seemed like he left her alone. He didn't call her after that. Nothing out of the ordinary. Okay. So life went on as normal in the Andrews household. Still, dad's working long hours and the girls are still grieving their mom's death and taking it very hard. So she's probably 16 at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so the girls felt a void that, you know, their mom was gone and they couldn't fill it and they were feeling lonely. And so in an effort to kind of ease that or fill that void, not ease that tension, I don't know what I was going to say there, but to fill that void, the girls decided in June of 1987 that they were going to hold a seance. So they were going to try to contact their deceased mom and see if they could, you know, if, if that was their way of you know coping and that's absolutely fine do what you got to do they were they were going to try to you know summon their mother and see if they could contact her from beyond interesting and then they felt comfort in this this was something that was very comforting to them and so they hoped their mom would show them a sign that she was still around and that would be you know a point of comfort for them so they went into their attic um oh just kidding they went into their basement and they performed a seance they asked yes or no questions. They lit candles. They said some chants. Um, no, they we, for, for those who don't know, a seance is oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the practice of trying to summon the dead yeah. through a ritual yeah, where like you try ceremony. and... Yes, exactly. You basically try and free yourself up to interact with people beyond, or with spirits beyond yeah. our own realm. Um, but go ahead. So I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. no, no. That's, and that's exactly what they did. And yeah. So, just wanted to clarify for those that aren't familiar with what a yeah. seance is. And they were in their basement doing this, and they really did believe. I think, uh, I don't, it doesn't explain exactly how they did it, but in the investigation discovery, like reenactment thing of it, they like were holding a necklace and asking yes or no questions, and it would swing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they really did believe that they were contacting their mother and that they were getting this response. And I don't know how I feel about that. I've been to some haunted places. I've done some things where I've felt, you know, I felt that presence. Yeah. But I don't know if you can just sit down out of the blue. Like, if we turned off the lights right now, I don't know if any, like, if we could summon people or not. I'm not really sure um, how I believe it works. But I, I do believe there's there's a way that people have come back or contacted. Yeah. But I just don't understand exactly how or what I've brings that about. I've seen things and I've experienced things that makes me believe that if you are open to it and you're willing to have that type of encounter and you're willing to go ahead and do it and you really have to open yourself up to it it's not like you like you and i couldn't just sit here and be like come at me yeah come hey anybody out here hello matt what was the case we were covering fucking uh conrad do you remember michelle carter yeah michelle carter and the fucking lights went off and all this shit happened that scared the piss out of me yeah that was a weird occurrence that was like three times that was an occurrence that i would tell people about like yeah we were interacting with some weird shit talking about that but like now if you and i were to go sit in that closet turn off all the lights open up like maybe like two candles sit there and honestly, you have to pretty much like divulge yourself from all else yeah. and just like, like really, the mind. you need to know who you're contacting. You need to know how to get, basically how to get in touch with them, like what to say. Like they say that you have to say the right thing to interact with the dead. Um, and I don't know what that is, but I've just, you know, I've heard things. Um, 
And then you also have to be willing to stay in the room no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Ah, fuck that. No. Yeah. No. It's weird. No, no. It's, a weird it's a weird thought, honestly, it is. But I mean, I guess it's different, though, because it's like, fuck if yeah. you think of it as a negative thing, then you're probably going to bring on some negative. But, like, if... If your parent had passed away or someone very close to you had passed away or someone you felt a connection with, it would be a sense of comfort probably to talk to them. You know I could I mean? imagine why these girls would like do Like my grandparents, like I would find comfort if they tried to contact me. But opening up that world, I don't want some else, some other shit to come in. See, I don't think my paps would want me to call him like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I understand that. That makes sense. That's how I feel. Like I think you're right, but I think... I think it finds comfort for the living, not exactly. necessarily. That's what it is. That's what it is. Side. And I don't like that necessarily. Yeah. But all right, so like, let's Let move them on. rest. Yeah, so. Yeah, sleep. Be at peace. Okay. So as the girls were contacting their mother and what they believed was really getting signs from her, their dad came home. So Brian slash Frank, um, he Frank came home. Brian. And he's not into that. And I can imagine also being a widower, um, having your daughters not, not really grasping and accepting the loss that kind of freaking you out and making you a little uneasy and you know like she's gone like just you know you've seen it in like movies and in documentaries and even in life you know the person the spouse or whatever mourning and then the kids don't really grasp it or accept it it gets frustrating and scary and I don't think he liked it I think he was just kind of like what are you guys doing I don't let's go upstairs I I get that too but yeah absolutely so he sent them upstairs to do their homework and chores and was like, this is enough of this. I don't know what you guys are doing down here, but whatever. It was just like, let's go to sleep. So after the seance, this would be a, a huge turning point in the Andrews household. Nothing would be the same in this house again. That night, as the girls were falling asleep, they heard a light knocking on the wall. So just like a tap, 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 like real light, like... Believing it was their mother trying to contact them after they had done the seance, the girls excitedly knocked back. And they went back and forth like this. Like, they would ask the wall questions. Like, like they were very specific to say, like, yes or no questions only. So, like, one knock for yes, two knocks for no or whatever. And they would ask the wall questions, and it would knock in response. What? And they would knock back. Yeah, it's so creepy. Just, you, you're going to shit your pants all over the place. So. Let me get some napkins. Yeah, so you're going to need, like, Depends, not napkins. So they were excited. They thought that, you know, the, the, the seance worked. You know, they, they believed that this was a good spirit. This is their mom contacting them, communicating with them. They were super excited. They weren't um, they weren't scared. That's the point. They weren't scared at first. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so I would probably shit my pants from second one. Yeah, but, I'd be a little nervous. But here. I guess if you're expecting some kind of response like that, you're you're comforted by it and not afraid by it. Which would be a nice way f- to live because then you wouldn't be scared by this kind of stuff. But that didn't last very long, Matt. So this went on for some time and, you know, they would knock at night and the knocks would come back and they would knock at night, knocks would come back. Um, but eventually the events that continued in the house became increasingly, had more of a sinister tone. So the little taps that they once heard became loud banging. The girls started to notice things would go missing from their home or furniture and other items would be moved to completely different places that they had left them. Lights would be on that they were sure they had turned off or they would flicker on and off. This made the girls decide really quickly that the spirit that that had been haunting their house 
could not be their mom as their mom would never never intentionally scare them because instead of these light like calming knocks it's like these loud bangs on the wall like scary you don't how hear long, that even if it's a real person how long did this go on months wow months so due to their father working long nights and through the day it seemed he was never around to witness these spirits that was my question where was he the whole no, time he was but, never around. okay they told their dad that night that he had walked in on them in the basement that they were he like they admitted eventually after like this started to scare them instead of comfort them they admitted you know that night that you came in, we were doing a seance to contact mom. Mm-hmm. And now we believe we've beckoned something that's more sinister, that's more scary, that's, you know, trying to harm us. And their dad pretty much was like, you guys are just mourning. I understand, but it, this is not the way to do it. You're just hearing things or making this up. Um, and he said there's going to be no more talk of ghosts. And he was just pretty much, you know, thinking that his daughters were grieving their mom and let their imaginations get the best of them. They really wanted to believe that she was contacting them, and then their imaginations kind of ran wild. However, like we mentioned, the noises and strange occurrences only seemed to happen when the girls were home alone. It was never when their dad was home. And this was often because their dad did work long and hard hours and Mm -hmm. and random hours because he was a bus driver. Mm -hmm. And so the girls were often left to their own devices. Now, Matt, one day they were in their living room and they were watching or they were about to put on a movie and this was back when VHS was the thing you know you had to rewind and you know put it in so while it was rewinding they went into their kitchen poured a bowl of fiddle faddles you know those are the like like peanut butter like chips shit I don't know it's like candy okay. it's kind of like popcorn I've never had them but I know that they're like some sort of kind of candy like that pulled a bowl of fiddle faddles left them in the kitchen went back to check on the rewind status Went back into the kitchen to grab the fiddle faddles. When the movie was ready, they were gone. They were, the bowl was empty. What? The bowl was empty. And so they freaked the fuck out. They were just like, wait the fuck a second. Like, we know for a fact we just filled up that bowl, and now the bowl has moved a little bit, and there's no more fiddle faddles in them, and this is just a fucking mess. So this went on for months and months, like I said, Matt. Like, that scared them. Everything scared them. Now, this is when shit gets real fucking creepy and scary. One day in early 1987, as the girls were watching TV in the living room, they continued to hear knocking. Except, this time it didn't sound like it was coming from the walls. It sounded like it was coming from their basement. So, scared as shit, but of course curious as hell. Yeah. Annie entered the kitchen and grabbed a knife and told her sister that they needed to go downstairs and find out, once and for all, what was making these noises. What, like, scary ghost or whatever the hell was making these noises. Jesus. So they slowly made their way downstairs to the basement, unsure what they were about to find. And as they got to the end of the steps, they looked around and saw nothing. No ghosts, no noises, no shadows, nothing. However, when they turned back around to leave the basement, they saw on the back wall what they believe, written in blood, said... They saw a statement that they believed was written in blood, and it said, quote, I'm in your room, come find me, end quote. Girls fucking freaked the shit out, left the house, went to their neighbors. Their dad wasn't home. Their neighbor called their dad and said, you know, you need to come home. Your girls, you know, believe someone's in your house or something's in your house. Um, you know, you need to come home. So... They were crying and shaking with their neighbor, and they called their dad and told them, told him, 
about the message on the wall and he raced home to meet the girls and they called the police to investigate and the police went into the basement saw this message on the wall so it really was there bless you um so they called their dad and he raced home and met them with police and they went in and investigated went into the basement and the message was really written on the wall it wasn't like their imagination um the officer went up to like look at the writing on the wall and put his finger in it it was ketchup so immediately, dad looks at his daughters and says, you've got to be kidding me. You guys did this for attention. Like, this is not the way to get my attention. This was, you're wasting everybody's time. You're wasting the police officer's time. He quickly said, you know, you're Why good to go. Why would they do that, though? To police. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, what the fuck? Like, that's yeah, like, like what's come that? On. Come on. They're really, like, I guess people do grieve in some strange ways, but I don't think, I wouldn't have There's grief, though, and then there's, like, what? Pretending to, like, haunt your own house. Yeah. So... Frank, again, thought his daughters were playing the sick joke and apologized to the officer, and he ended up putting the girls in therapy because he believed that they weren't successfully dealing with their mother's death. They weren't coping properly. They weren't, you know, nothing. And they were paranoid. They had been mentioning ghosts around the house and hearing knocking. He has never heard any knocking or anything like that. He's yeah, never, he probably did think that yeah. was Yeah, so he, he thought that they were losing it, and he thought the best thing for them to cope with their grief and their stress and their anxiety of losing their mom would be to put them in therapy, which I agree with. That's a really great option. In any case, regardless of what's happening, I think it's important to talk it out with someone uh, professional if you are going to I agree, yeah. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I just think... This guy was obviously And, and he believed that they were trying to get his attention. So they believed because he wasn't home a lot that they were doing this stuff to kind of get his attention. Um, mm. And like you said, he wasn't there to see any of this. So, like, he didn't he didn't experience it for them, himself. You know what I mean? It wasn't... He was just like, come on. Like, what are you guys doing? So after that, the noises seemed to stop, at least for a little bit of time. Now, two weeks after that last incident... The noises and knocking and tapping started occurring again. The girls were sitting watching TV together and they were home alone. And they heard the same loud banging noises coming from this time upstairs. Annie was like 15 but probably in her brain was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to find out what's happening once and for all. I'm going to go get this fucking ghost upstairs and rip him out of my house. Let's fucking go. So she grabbed a knife, and she was certain that she was going to find whoever or whatever or what being or whatever thing was in making these noises and scaring them. As they reached the top of the stairs, though, Matt, they saw another message written on Annie's bedroom wall. What? This message read, quote, I'm back. Find me if you can. End quote. Of course, this made the girls shit their pants. Of course, it scares me even thinking about it. And the girls, again, screamed and ran out of the house and ran to their neighbor to call the police. But this time, the girls were so shaken, they could barely speak, and they were sobbing, and they were holding each other. And the neighbor called the dad and said, you know, listen, your girls have run to me again. Um, you know, it, it's really serious. I think you should come home. So he raced home, called the police. Um, and when he saw the girls... He saw them huddled together with their neighbor sobbing. And the neighbor looked at the dad and said, you know, they've been like this the last 30 minutes. I don't think they're just making this shit up anymore. Jesus. Like, they're, they're like, they're genuinely afraid of something that's going on in this house. I don't think that this would be the reaction if this was them, you know, just monkeying around in the house. So he still was, you know, skeptical. But when he got home, 
like I said, he, he looked at his daughters and kind of saw that this was a little bit more serious than, than he had thought. And so he decided that he wanted to go check out what was going on with his house himself. His daughter said, no, dad, don't go in the house. Something is in there. Like, we know for a fucking fact. Like, this is, obviously, they didn't say it this way, but, you know, this is, something is seriously wrong. Like, this is really happening. We don't want you going in this house. It's clearly unsafe. But he decided to go in anyways. And I'm telling you, Matt, this, like, literally all sounds like a giant joke. But I was going to say, it all sounds like a horror movie. I but, know. But this is real. But it's real. Where did this take place again? Remind me. I'm getting <laughs> He is from the great place of Massachusetts. Townsend, Massachusetts. That's where this happened. Townsend, Massachusetts? Mm-hmm. It's like T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. I thought like towns in Massachusetts. I thought I you know. said I was like, what? <laughs> no. So, Matt, Frank decided to finally check out. Well, before the police came, he decided to go to the house and see what was going on. Well walks up to the house and upon getting to the front door and opening the front door he realized every single tv in his house was turned up full blast full volume full blast and he looked back i mean in the dramatization he looked back and said you know did you guys do this did you i mean like obviously they didn't but he was just like is this something you did no of course not and the neighbor even said when the girls originally ran to him, he kind of walked them back to the house and they were too scared to go near them, but he didn't notice any TVs on or anything. That wasn't like that when he had walked up to the house what? a little bit earlier. So all TVs were on blasting. Of course, this gave him pause, but he went in the house to figure out what the fuck was happening, you know, ready to fucking go, you know, ready to, like, freak out. He immediately, upon entering the house, saw two champagne glasses filled with champagne sitting on the counter. So his daughters are underage. I don't think we're drinking. They were pouring it, yeah. yeah. like, I don't think that that was something. So he was like, what the fuck? Someone is in this house. Something's happening. What the fuck, He man? heard someone walking around upstairs. Like, he's heard, like, banging and noises coming in from upstairs, which is where the girls heard the noise and yeah. saw that message. So he walked upstairs. Um, When he walked upstairs, he saw a new message on Annie's wall, and it read, quote, marry me. End quote. Brian walked into the room further and saw a picture of his deceased wife pinned to the wall with a knife. So he's like shitting his pants. I mean, I'm shitting my pants at this point. I already know what happens. What? what? Now, he's looking at this picture of his wife. He's seeing these words that say, marry me in the ketchup blood. I mean, it looked like blood, but it was ketchup still. It was still uh, ketchup. Whatever, I mean. Scary, so, nonetheless. This is in Annie's room. This is in... No, th- at this point, this is in his room. Annie's room said the other shit, but, like, he walked up and went and saw this message in his own room. Jesus. Well, Matt, he noticed something moving in his peripheral vision as he was, like, looking at this picture of his wife that was pinned to the, the wall with a knife. And he turned, and there was a figure standing in a wedding dress with a blonde wig. So he's like... Like, what the fuck? Is his deceased wife's wedding dress, nonetheless. It wasn't just, like, any dress. He well, was yeah, in but... this wedding dress. Turns around, and it's a young man with a painted face with war paint. So he's wearing a blonde wig, a wedding dress of a, a dead woman, and his face is painted. 
and he turns around, he's holding a hatchet. The man started towards him, and Frank ran out of the house and made sure to close the gate behind him and the doors behind him to make sure the person, like, he would see if he walked out of the house. Like, he, he got out of the house real quick. Um, and then the authorities arrived. So, and they stayed, like, right in front of the house, staring at the house. Like, we'll be able to see. Like, they didn't have, like, any other doors to leave that they knew of or whatever. So they were just watching the house to see, like, from all angles if anyone was about to come out. Was somebody in there the whole time? Well, just wait. This is just so fucked up. It's, like, my biggest fear, again. So the police searched the house and yet again were unable to find anything. And, of course... Brian slash Frank is like, no, like, I 100% saw someone. This is 100% happening. Wait, they searched the house and, and could not on. find anyone. Nope. Besides the TVs being on, the ketchup on the walls and the champagne. That's the, the only things that they saw that were, like, abnormal. However, one officer, as they were searching the house, who I would say is an eagle-eyed officer, very, very uh, attention to detail, I would say. Astute. Yeah, astute. He was... Uh, looking around the house and noticed a bookshelf had been slightly moved. Because I, I guess you could, like, see, like, a little like, crack in the wall or something. Moved the bookshelf, and there was a small, like, hole, like a, a door in the wall. I don't know if there was, like, an actual door there, but there was a hole in the wall. So he immediately drew his gun at the door thing that was a bit ajar, and the officer yelled for whoever was behind the door to come out with their hands up. And it was, like, a tiny, like, crawl space kind of door. Yeah. Without incident... A young man emerged from behind the small door with his hands up. The young man was Danny LaPlante. Oh, my God. He was put under arrest at the scene, didn't fight them, didn't do anything. As it turns out, the boy who had gone on a date and had been rejected by Annie had been sleeping within the walls of their house for what the police assumed was months. When they got him under arrest and got him out of the house, um, they searched the walls and, like, searched to see what the fuck this was. They realized he had, like, a tunnel system in the walls, sleeping bags, they found candy wrappers, they found beer, they found some of the shit that had gone missing throughout the house. This boy was living in their walls. And then the creepiest thing is they discovered peepholes in each of the rooms. Oh my so sweet lord. So he was watching it, right? It's just fucking <laughs> Matt's face is just perfect. But he was fucking creeping around in their walls and made these girls believe that their dead mom was, was communicating them. with them. And oh. he was just watching them and just fucking with them the whole time. Oh, my God. Moved around like a fucking saint. I don't know how he did it without being detected. That is one of the weirdest. I mean, like, living in the walls. Mm-hmm. From, like, the police think it was months. Like, it was, like, the tapping and knocking and shit had gone on for months. How? And they said that in the basement there was, like, a crawl space to outside, but they saw that there was a sleeping bag in the walls, that there was food in the walls, so they assumed that he was living in the walls. Like, he was just, like, camping out in their walls. Oh, my fucking Lord. Isn't that fucking creepy? This is... It gets worse, Matt. So... Oh, God. Yeah, so he was brought up on charges on October 6, 1986, um, and he was put in juvenile uh, court. I don't know exactly when he was caught. It doesn't really say, which is... It, it's weird because... The case gets worse, but that's this like this part isn't the main focus because it's not what he ended up being charged for for the rest of his life. So we'll get into that here right now. So on October 6, 1986, his mother posted his $10,000 bail. So his mother bailed him out of jail and he was out. And then no one really had tabs on him. He like he didn't contact his um cuz I think he had a parole officer and he didn't he didn't keep in touch. And people in the town said 
that he was, like, the fucking weirdest kid in the world, but he, like, enjoyed living in the woods, like, was, like, comfortable just, like, being a nomad type of guy and, like, living in fucking people's walls and shit. Yeah. So he just kind of, like, went missing. And the town's freaking the fuck out because, like, they don't... This cuckoo guy that was living in these people's walls. And with a hatchet, like, what was he planning on doing? Why did he have a hatchet? And why was he in this wedding dress? Like, it's just what the fuck. There's a whole lot of what the fuck things going on here, namely the fact that... Yeah. He had a sleeping bag in there. Yeah. Well, see, he had peepholes in there's every There's, like, different room. versions of the story, but that stays the same in all of them. The other version of the story with the Andrews house is that he, when he finally made himself known, because, like, the, the whole story stays the same up until the day that they caught him. But what they said, what like, another article said is that he, like, the girls, like, found him finally. Like, they, they ran in, like, they caught him when he was, like, writing some of the shit on the walls. Um, and he, like, attacked them and tied them up. And their dad came home and he tied him up. And one of the girls escaped, got out. And that's, like, how it all unfolded. Um, and then they found the sleeping bag and realized this guy was living in their walls. So, in any case, he was living in the walls and, like, haunting this family. But what happened where he was caught is up for debate. But like I said, I trust Investigation Discovery um, because I'm, I'm sure they've done, like, their due diligence and their research. And it seemed like they had, like, cops and sheriffs in the area. Mm. Like interviewed so and it was like real it was like a real enactment type of thing you yeah know? Like it wasn't man. like a fake bullshit story wow. i was watching it today and uh so i believe their version of events and i think it's like the creepier version but um uh, but in any case and, and it, in all of the stories he was in the deceased mom's wedding dress with a hatchet so all of that stays the same it's just how they like actually confronted him so some stories say that he held them captive and one escaped and got help and they caught him in the act and one says he was hiding in the crawl space and the officer found him wow However, so we don't even know how he was caught but either way it's i mean so he's so, living in these yeah. fucking creep- people's walls oh and like fucking Lord. with them like that's so scary like again this is like like the manson creepy crawly shit like that shit scares me like that yeah. is my like i hate everything about this story i just needed to tell it isn't that insane? But wait for this shit. Ready? So he was kind of like not doing his due diligence. He was a weirdo still. He was just a fuck up. You know, he was living in the woods, burgling houses still. Fuck. Like he did the shit where he would like rearrange things, steal some things. And like people would be like, wait, like my bed was over there. Like, you know, that kind of shit. What? So after being released on bail. He continued, like I said, to break and burgle, rearrange things in people's homes. And on December 1st, 1987, Danny broke into the house of Priscilla Gustafon, and she shared it with her husband and her two kids. By all accounts, so this is what, you know, the police say, um, it seems he his only intention in this house was to burgle the house. Like, that's why he went there. However, with this other, with the girls, he was obviously there for just fuck with their heads for decades. Jesus. But so, so with Priscilla Gustafon's house, how old was this guy? I mean, like he didn't have a job. Fifteen, like the same age, like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, something. Where were his? Where was his mom? Right. I think there was like some shit about like him being abused and stuff, but like it's really hard to find like his background because it focuses so much on this part of the case. Yeah. But. So it's like difficult to kind of decide. I clearly his parents weren't the best, although she bailed him out of fucking jail after terrorizing this family for months. Because he was brought up on a shitload of charges, but she bailed him out. But um, like I said, 
The reports say that they believed originally his intention was just to burgle the home and leave. However, it seems like Priscilla and her kids, her two kids, had come home in the middle of him burgling the house. Danny raped and shot a pregnant Priscilla and then drowned her two kids in separate bathrooms, seven-year-old Abigail and five-year-old William, one by one in separate bathrooms in the house. When did this happen? 1987? Mm-hmm. December after 1st, the fact? After, after he had been out from being in these people's walls. Yeah. And they lost him. Like I said, like he like ran away from his parole and he was like living in the woods and like burgling people's houses, but like no one could catch but him. But nobody could find him. him. So Priscilla's husband is the one who found his wife's body and he called 911. And of course, LaPlante was not at the scene when this happened. Uh, he like left after he did all this crazy shit. He left and was captured in a nearby shed after officers noticed similar writing found in the An- Andrew's case found at this murder scene. When they caught him, they found him in a, like a little shed in someone's random backyard. He was cracking up, laughing. He was just hysterically laughing when they were putting him under arrest. And he like, su- like he surrendered. He never fought them. And he had his hands up, but he was like cracking up like a hyena, just like fucking laughing his ass off. I thought it was like, like a sick fuck. He had just murdered it, like a whole family. And he was cracking up. So... Eventually, Danny was convicted on all three counts of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. In 2017, Matt, just last year, he asked to be resentenced, resentenced on the basis that he was a juvenile at the time of the crimes. However, the judge ruled that he has to at least wait 15 more years before becoming eligible for parole, since he got life without parole. Wow. Isn't that fucking bananas? Insane. So what do you think? What I for not? Let's talk about it. So first sentence he basically got off. Do you think he should have gone way more fucking yeah for that for My, torturing the sand? Can you imagine the guy was a peeping damage? Tom? He was a stalker. He was, he was a burglar. He was a trespasser. All rolled into one. <laughs> yeah, like like this guy was as creepy as you can get. He's living literally. in the fucking walls. And he was like, his bail was only it. ten grand. Yeah. Yeah, there there you go. There's another that's that's threat with a deadly weapon. Yeah. Like honestly, like what the hell? Vandalism probably cuz he wrote on their walls. Yeah, like how did this guy get off on that? I mean, What do you think would have been an appropriate sentence for that part of everything? I mean, like stalkers can get up to 15 years. I think that would have been appropriate. Like that would have been appropriate. And then I think it would have stopped this shit from happening. Um as far as his new sentence for killing uh, the well, the three and the the fetus. Uh, if you, yeah, I don't know how far along she was, but life without parole. Do you think that's a good absolutely? Sentence? Yeah, I think if, that's fair. If not too lenient. Yeah. But oh my god, I mean, right? this should have never happened. Though. Isn't this just the most insane? But I don't understand the fifteen year thing because if he had possibility, like life without the possibility, isn't that supposed to be without the possibility of parole? You're just you don't get the possibility of parole. That's the point of without parole. Right? Yes, correct. So I wonder why the judge is even entertaining. And he, his whole thing is, I did this when I was 17 years old, 15, 16, 17 years old. Yeah, I could always re-examine based now on that. Now he's 45. Oh, well. could always re-examine based on that. Age is a mitigating factor, but... Do you think he would deserve it? It's weird that nope. if you look at the pictures of him as a kid, and then you look at the pictures of him as an adult, it's like creepy, because it looks like like a whole different human being, obviously, sure. because he's 45 and like bald now. And mm. Let me pull up a picture real quick before yeah. we get into that. So this is him when he committed the crimes. Wow. Yeah, and then 
this is now <laughs> such a fucking change. Wait. So weird. Right? Isn't that so creepy? Isn't that so fucking creepy though, Matt? Like that this whole motherfucker thing, was living in their walls. That whole thing creeps me out. Imagine finding that dude in your his wall. Face. And had a wig on and their their dead wife the dead mom's wedding dress on. You Jesus. sick fucking bastard. You're really what sick. I wanna know though is how in the hall the hot fuck did he creep around this house undetected this entire time? How did he have time to, like, write shit on the walls? That I will never know. And, and, like, steal their popcorn bowl when they left for mere minutes. And how did... And how did he make, like, the... How, how did, did he, he go unnoticed? Like, he didn't have a job, obviously. But, like, he didn't go to school. He wasn't doing yeah. anything with his life. That he could just yep. hang out in their walls. But it is also important to note that Brian slash Frank did apologize to his daughters, obviously. And was like, holy shit, I should have believed you. Yeah, I'm an idiot. This sorry. entire time. Like, I'm so sorry. The clubs look so cool right now. It's really distracting me. But... The white looks cool. The clouds look outside. It looks really cool. Oh, wow. But, um, well, but, yeah. You gotta see this way. You gotta see the sunset this way. Isn't that insane, though, Matt? That's incredible, Lisa. Honestly, that's definitely one of the weirder ones. But I do. I think a punishment ones. does fit the crime for the second part. I don't think he... Although he's... Okay, so he committed these crimes when he was... What did we say? 40... Well, when he was, like, 16, and now he's 45 or 40-something. Do you think he should be... Wow. You think he should be eligible for parole? I don't believe so. Do you think he would do this creepy shit again? I just think, honestly, like for what he did, I don't know if it's like life without parole is appropriate, but it just seems like there's so many weird things that this guy did that there's... Yeah, dude. He lived in someone's fucking walls. And it, there's so many things that I'm like, okay, we don't know if he'll do that again or if that's even a possibility of, like, growing out of that. Like, And he committed a murder, also. That oh, was yeah. also a big part of it. Isn't that just so fucking creepy? Yeah, it's a weird one. That's a weird one. So that is why we say lock your motherfucking doors, get your alarm systems ready. Yeah. Um, but let us know what you guys think. Do you think his punishment fits his crime? Do you think... Um, he should have been sentenced harsher, like we do, for the beginning of this living in walls and terrorizing a family, which no doubt would have lasting effects on this poor family who's yeah. grieving and already, you know, under such stress. Um, I'd be interested to hear, like, their version of events to see, like, what actually happened. But Jesus, if you're listening, reach out. Uh, go give us five-star review. Also, I just want to take a moment of silence for the... Artist Malcolm McCormick, also known as Mac Miller, who passed away from Pittsburgh, our hometown. We want to, you know, give a shout out to his family, his friends, his, mm-hmm. you know, all of his supporters, all of his fans. We're thinking of all of you. And we are amongst that group, so. Rest in peace, Malcolm. We hope you find peace now. Absolutely. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thirty-three-year-old Priscilla Gustafson, who was pregnant, was raped and murdered in her home in Townsend. Her seven-year-old daughter Abby and five-year-old son Billy were drowned in the bathtub. The killer, Daniel LaPlante, was 17 years old. He was sentenced to three consecutive terms of life in prison. But a recent Supreme Court ruling means he must now be resentenced since he was a juvenile at the time of the crime. But I am truly sorry for the 
Today, LaPlante stood and faced the judge, not the victim's family, as he stated his sorrow. But the family isn't buying it. Priscilla Gustafson's husband, Andy, remarried in the years after the murders. He passed away several years ago. But today, his second wife spoke on his behalf. Mr. LaPlante extinguished Andy's family for no apparent reason, sidelined his career, sent him into bankruptcy, ruined his health, and left him a shell of a man for a very long time. So Daniel LaPlante, for the murder of my sister Priscilla and her unborn child, I forgive you. Priscilla Gustafson's brother said today he forgives LaPlante for all three murders, but he made it clear to the judge forgiveness is a spiritual thing. It is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Resentencing will happen in the morning.